It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And Happy New Year. Welcome into the Virtual Bible Study on January 1st, 2009. We're glad you're a part of it tonight, and we look forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567 or questions at collegeview.com. Dot com. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you on this New Year's Day, and great to start a new year with a period of Bible study over the Internet. We're looking forward to our Thursday night discussion, and we hope that uh, those who are listening will get involved by sending us emails or making a phone call. That's right. We look forward to hearing from you on the program tonight. If you're listening to us live, you're just listening to us tonight. We're having technical problems with our video feed tonight, so you'll just have the audio. Go and back, that, sort of uh, retro, retro yeah. uh, virtual Bible study, no, no video. It's good for those who just ate. They don't have to look at us tonight. That's right. All right. Well, we got an important subject tonight, uh, a subject that is overlooked a lot in our society and unfortunately is overlooked in the religious world as well, and that is our purity. Well, we want to talk tonight about the need, the necessity of maintaining moral purity and with emphasis on the fact that there's a lot of impurity when it comes to morality all around us. So we, we want to discuss the idea, and I think it's a very fitting subject for the first of the year as we sort of think about attacking a new year, trying to make it the best it can be, trying to serve the Lord as faithfully as we possibly can. The idea of maintaining moral purity in an impure world is certainly a worthy discussion and I hope that we can say some things that will encourage us all, Jacob, as we start this new year to have a, uh, an increased resolve to get the job done when it comes to living for the Lord and keeping ourselves unspotted from the world. Uh, uh, we all need that uh, motivation, and, we, and hopefully we can say something, and our listeners, our, our uh, uh, folks out there on the Internet who are participating will be able to say some things that will – uh, you know, put a little spark in people's heart to to work harder in this new year. Jesus summed it up for us with eleven words in Matthew chapter five, verse eight, to tell us the importance of our subject tonight. Matthew five, verse eight, Jesus said, "Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God." That's how important this subject is. I think that is an important verse. I, and I just the other day I was encouraging folks to memorize that expression: "Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God." If you want to see God, you got to be pure in heart. The implication is clear. If you're not pure of heart, you will not see God. So I, I don't think we could talk about anything more important. Purity of heart, moral purity in an impure world. That's what we want to talk about. Our contact info is uh, email questions at collegeview.com. And our phone number is toll-free, 877-381-4567. And we want you to get on the line or send us an email. We're watching for emails all throughout the program. We'll try to get your comments on the air, but we'd love to take a phone call as well. Phone calls always go to the head of the line, so if you call us, we'll put you right on. Give us some thoughts. Earlier today, to our update list, remember we're always 
on Thursday, uh, Lord willing, we send out an update to those who are on our list concerning what our topic is going to be and, and to ask some questions, begin to get some feedback. If you'd like to be on our update list, send us a, an email, questions at collegeview.com, and just put in the subject line, add me to your list. Here are the questions we sent out earlier today. Number one, what are the biggest threats to moral purity in our world today? Number two, what are your suggestions for maintaining moral purity? And number three, how should we relate towards people who are making no effort to be pure morally? So those are our three questions. If you have not sent us an email yet, if you've not replied, Get on your email program right now and do that while you're listening or just make a phone call. We'd be glad to get your thoughts on the program. You know, Jacob, the idea of moral purity is certainly a Bible subject. It's it's mentioned a lot. And when we think about purity, we, we're thinking about, in regards to morality, trying to live a sinless life, to be morally pure or clean. Uh, and and that is a great challenge, and we need to understand it. But it is a commanded thing. The Scripture's commanded. certainly is. In numerous places, we could probably just quote verses all night long and not make any comments. There are so many verses commanding moral purity, but a few. James chapter 4, verses 7 through 8, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. James 4, 7 through 8. Tell us that if we want to be near to God, part of that process of drawing near to him is purifying ourselves of these uh, evils of the world. Well, because of God's moral nature, he can't fellowship uh, immorality or sinfulness. And therefore, if we want to be near to him, we've got to keep ourselves pure. John, First John chapter 3, verse 3 in the New King James Version says, Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is, that is, just as Christ is pure. Uh, we, if we want to have this hope in us, we have to maintain moral purity. Absolutely so. And uh, that is that ties in with what Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. And so if we don't uh, want to see God, we don't need to worry about the subject tonight. Otherwise, if we're hoping to see God one day, we need to be pure in our hearts. We want to hear from you at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeu.com. What is the biggest challenge, biggest threat to those who want to be pleasing to God today, what is their biggest challenge in the area of purity? One more verse, Jacob. One more verse to emphasize the importance of this. Psalm 24, beginning verse 3 says, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessings from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. So if you want to be, again, near to God and with him eternally, this is an absolutely important subject. Now, we ask those questions again. Let me repeat them. We want to get your input on these questions. What's the biggest threat to moral purity in our world today? What are your suggestions for maintaining moral purity? And how should we relate to people who are not even making any effort to maintain purity? We'll be talking about those as, as we go along. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. God wants us to be pure. We want to know how we can do that in the coming year. How can we maintain purity in the impure world? Let us know your thoughts. We're looking forward to hearing from you on email or over the phone tonight. Jacob, we might comment just briefly uh, about all the impurity uh, that is in the world. Uh, I don't think we probably have to do too much work to prove that to our listeners. I think everybody who has any 
perception at all realizes that we really live in a corrupt world. And, and specifically, those of us who live in America, we live in a corrupt culture and a corrupt time. There's just no doubt about that. Uh, and so, I, like I said, I, I doubt that we have to spend very much time emphasizing that, but we could we could find statistics real easily that would illustrate just how corrupt and wicked the world is that we live in. You know, it's important to note that, but it is also important to note that that uh, fact does not excuse any impurity on our part. We live in a wicked world, a terrible world, all kinds of uh, abominable sins going on that God hates, and God certainly becomes nauseated when he looks at all the sin in the world today. But this world that we live in is better than it has been a lot of times in the past. Well, you think about it. You think about Noah. Noah was not excused because he lived in a world that was so corrupt that he and his family were the only righteous people in it. He wasn't excused. He was still expected to do it. Eight people out of all of humanity, eight people were saved. And then uh, we could think about other times. Uh, Christians in in the first century, for instance, they were living in a corrupt world and a corrupt culture. The Roman Empire was was very uh, morally... Uh, depraved, I suppose, would be the right word. Burning Christians at the stake. And engaged in all kinds of moral degradation themselves, those sure. Romans were. But those Christians, they were not excused. They weren't. It's never stated, well, we know that, that it's a tough time, so we're going to let the we're going to let the bar down a little bit. It won't be as we'll make it a little easier for you because we know you're living in a tough time. Read the letters to the seven churches of Asia in chapters two and three of the book of Revelation. And the Lord was was telling those churches that were not maintaining uh, a, a pure service to him. He was threatening them that their candlestick would be removed. He was not excusing them, though they lived in very tough times. So we can't make the excuse, these are bad times. Everybody around us is bad. So it's going to be understood that we do bad. That's not a, that's not a workable excuse. And another excuse that we can't make, and uh, this one is heard as well, Dad, is for our children. A lot of people say, well... Our children are growing up in a different world today than it was before. We wouldn't have done things like that in our day, but it's different now. Our children are going to do some of that stuff today. I want to tell you, I think that parents today, instead of using the world as an excuse to let down their guard, ought to be working, realizing they're going to have an even tougher job and going to have to work even harder in a wicked world like we've got today. And so it, it's a it's a major concern and a huge problem. Uh, uh, don't use this as an excuse that we live in this working world. Wake up and realize that you're going to have to work even harder. Uh, I was I was talking to a parent just the other day, Jacob, about, for instance, uh, cell phones and and how all the teenagers have cell phones and they're in contact constantly with one another and they're texting one another all the time. And I made the point that when when you and your brothers and sister were kids, obviously there were no cell phones. There was no texting going on. But it, we even we even were in control of the situation to the point that we had control over who and when you could call. And if someone called for you, they they had to it had to pass through us. You know who's calling and and who who would you want to speak to? We had control over that. Parents today have absolutely lost the control of that. Every teenager has a cell phone, and they have indiscriminate use of it i mean they uh, they can do whatever they want whenever they want talk to whoever they want be in contact with any person they want 
And I'm, uh, that's a brand new thing. And uh, that's just illustration of the fact that in this wicked world, parents are going to have to work even harder because technology and lots of other factors are making it a greater challenge for us and our kids and our families to maintain moral purity. As we think about the wicked world that we live in, certainly we have to be on guard. There are three things that we need to know, Dad. Though Number one, it's not an excuse. The world that we live in is not an excuse for us to be impure. Number two, it should not come as a surprise because the Bible tells us that uh, the world is going to be wicked that we live in. In uh, first, Second Timothy chapter 3 says, no, uh, beginning with verse 1, This know that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. And so the Bible tells us that in the last days, and we're living in the last days, that we've been living in the last days since Christ's time, uh, the Bible tells us the world's going to be wicked. Yeah, again, uh, but but as I said earlier, I don't think we have to do a whole lot of work to try and prove that to people, but we've got to get people uh, alerted and awake and, and reacting to the danger of that. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Paul said, Do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We cannot be conformed to the world. But that's what I'm really afraid is happening all too often with Christians. And and what I think is happening, we're not at the cutting edge of these moral changes. We're not we're not leading the parade as as our culture goes off into more and more wickedness. But we're allowing the culture and the society to drag us along that our that our standards are being compromised and I think that is undeniably true. I think Christians, in, uh, in large part, Christians are allowing things and tolerating things in themselves and their in their family and their children that they would not have even considered 20 years ago. Certainly. So we're allowing the evil culture and the evil trends of our society to drag us along. We've got to stop that. I had three points I wanted to make. You cut me off on the third one. We should not be surprised. It uh, should not be an excuse and we can talk about this later on. And, and part of our whole discussion tonight, when we live in a wicked world, the darker the world is around us, the brighter our light shines. And it's it's much easier for us to have a separation there and to show the world that we're different when we're living in a wicked world that we're living in. But that requires our purity, and that's what we're talking about tonight. Exactly right. All right, we're going to take a break, and we'll come back, hopefully, hear from you. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. (laughs) And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. (laughs) And at 9 o'clock, it's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. 
I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 128. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. I'm James Buchanan from Columbia, Tennessee, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over, and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study, the January 1st, 2009 edition. We're talking about our purity and the impure world that we live in. We want to hear from you at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. As you mentioned, Dad, unfortunately... The world is rubbing off on us, and we're becoming tarnished by the world. Exactly right. Before we get into that a little bit more, Jake, we should comment again. If you joined us late, uh, our our video is not working for some reason, and we don't know why. And so, you if don't don't be pounding on your computer because it's trouble on our end that you're you're not getting out uh, getting a video because we're not getting it out there. So uh, that's the that's a little bit of explanation there. Mm-hmm. But uh, indeed, we've got to uh, keep ourselves pure in this impure world. And I want to remind uh, our listeners of the questions we've got out there that we're going to be getting to. What are the biggest threats to the moral purity in our world today? What are your suggestions for maintaining moral purity? And how should we relate towards people who are making no effort to be pure? That's an important one. We'll talk about that towards the end of the program. Yeah. So go uh, go ahead, Jacob. You you asked me a question. I'm not sure what you said. Well, what I said was um, we're allowing the world to, uh, to drag us down. We're allowing the world to tarnish us, uh, many of us who are trying to live for God, uh, are allowing the standards of the world, as you mentioned, to not necessarily define our standards, but they uh, they weaken our standards and lower our standards. When the world around us is going farther and farther into sin, we're trailing along at a distance, but uh, that is a fixed distance. The farther they get away from God then we, uh, as a result, to get farther away from God as well. Exactly right. That's that idea, just letting them drag us along. We're not, we're not out there leading the, the rush away from God, but we're following those who are rushing away from God, and it's causing a great problem. All right. We want to hear from you, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Um, let's take this first question here, Jacob, and comment about it briefly. What are some of the biggest threats to the moral purity in our world today? Um, We've got an email from James here in Columbia, Tennessee, who says entertainment that glorifies the acceptance of unrighteousness and Christians compromised by such. I think that's a huge factor. Um, entertainment that glorifies the acceptance of unrighteousness. Just just take, for instance, one of the topics we talked about last week was the topic of homosexuality. When we were doing those little brief segments that we were putting up for um, for YouTube's. Uh, uh, the brief videos that we we're putting on YouTube. And by the way, we've got those up partially. They're not all up, but most of those are up. You might check that on YouTube. But we were talking about homosexuality last week. Think about how in the last 25 years, the immoral society that we live in has led people to believe that homosexuality is okay, that it's acceptable, and that we should be very tolerant of it. Typically, in a, in the entertainment media, if there's somebody who's upset about homosexuality that gets put down in the culture, it's the person who, who has some moral objection to homosexuality. It's not the homosexual who's criticized now. It's the person who objects to homosexuality. No, the homosexual is always funny, always cute, and always the victim and that we should feel sorry for in entertainment. And that has affected our society, and it has affected the thoughts of Christians even. 
Exactly right. I mean, you, you hear Christians now who have had their thought processes modified by that, and th- that's just a, an example. So I, I think James is right when he says entertainment. We are exposed to entertainment uh, forms that glorify the acceptance of unrighteousness. Not only are we exposed, we're paying for those entertainment forms. Exactly right. We're paying those actors to do that in front of us. Exactly right. And it's not just, we just used homosexuality as an example of that, but you could talk about all kinds of immorality. Murder, murder fornication. Fornication, very much fornication. That's that's very much depicted in the media. Lasciviousness, we talked about that one last week. Exactly right. So I think James is on the mark, when, and, and I would agree wholeheartedly and say a hearty amen to the fact that one of the biggest threats, if not the biggest threat to us, is the influence of the entertainment media in our, in our world today. Thank you, James, for your comments. Got another email from Jim in Mount Pleasant, Tennessee, who says he believes there's a threat. Uh, see, the biggest threats are going to come from our own brethren, from those who know better yet exert an influence on weaker brethren. And then he and then he has an explanation where he suggests even some influential people who, who may take uh, a false position and teach a false doctrine. That's certainly a threat. We know that when the Apostle Paul was warning the elders of the church at Ephesus about the dangers that they would be exposed to and that the church would be exposed to. In Acts chapter 20, you'll recall at verse 28, he said, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. So there's certainly a threat from within. Jim mentions especially the idea of doctrinal error that some may teach and lead people astray. I would also I would also argue, Jacob, in regards to the example and influence on on just moral living. If if there are people in the church, I'm a member of a local congregation, and there are people in that local congregation who are not living right, then that causes me to let my guard down. I mean, if if my own brethren are doing these things, why should I why should I struggle so hard against? A lot them? of times, the devil convinces us that a sin is just between us and God, and that is absolutely the case. It never is just between us and God. We have an influence on others, and we're not living a pure life. We have a negative influence on our brethren, on our neighbors, on our family, and on people we don't even know. We are influencing those around us, whether or not we realize it or not. Exactly right. I think that's the thing that we've got to keep in mind is you're you're, you're exerting an influence for good or bad. It's not. It's not. It's, you don't choose to exert an. You exert an influence. Yeah. That's and, it, the, and the question is, is it good or bad? Right. All right. Uh, and then we have Thank an email you. from Don in Antioch, Tennessee, who says uh, the biggest threat is in the weakness of those who claim to be striving for moral purity but allow themselves to be influenced by the world's impure, impure fads, the impure fads, movements, and lifestyles. For, exa- for example, consider divorce, alcoholism, gambling among Christians, uh, and other attitudes toward abortion, homosexuality, they may not be as open about that, he suggested, but they have relaxed their standards in regards to things like abortion and homosexuality. Uh, many who try to be morally pure do not stand up against these things like they should. So uh, I think Don is uh, th- thinking along the same lines there that we were just commenting about. 
Uh, he put one in bold there in capital letters, divorce, and that's one we've left off. You know, the, yeah. the world has influenced the standards of Christians in the area of divorce. It wouldn't have been too long ago that even people in the world would have thought divorce was wrong, and therefore Christians had no problem standing up against it and saying that uh, divorce for just any old reason is wrong and bad. And now there are Christians, because the world has accepted it and thinks that divorce, in fact, is a good thing, there are Christians who are defending divorce. Exactly right. So if we were going to summarize those answers that we've gotten from these emailers, we would say two things seem to stand out. One is the influence of the entertainment media around us is a huge problem. And maybe I overemphasize this point all the time, but I think it is so true. We've got to realize that we're, we are the first Christians in the history of time who've dealt with these kind of temptations that are out there from the media. This is all new. Television is just a little over 50 years old. You think about television and the movies and then think about the advent of the Internet. And we're dealing with temptations and challenges that Christians before us have never known about. I mean, not not the temptation, but the avenue, the avenue, the means by which it's presented. That's good right. point. Good, good uh, uh, clarification. The devil devil has new tools in his toolbox and he's using them to get at Christians through the, the entertainment media, and that's a huge danger. There's my phone ringing. We're believe? doing a program, people. Can't you hear that? <laughs> All right, 877-381-4567. Call the other line, and we'll let you talk on the program or send us an email to questions at collegeu.com. You got it silenced now? I think I got okay. it silenced. All right, we want to talk about uh, purity with you tonight, and we hope that you have some ideas and some thoughts of some challenges. You know, you've got to be aware of what is out there and uh, the avenues that, as you mentioned, that Satan will use to try and tempt us because he is our adversary and he's trying to, to get at us. We need to know what he's trying to use. So so that was one of the points made. The other point, and I think a very powerful point, is the influence of people who ought to be strong, God's own people who ought to be strong in the face of these temptations but often are not. And and their influence, their negative influence upon us wears us down. So those two things, I think, are huge factors uh, that contribute to the difficulty that Christians are having maintaining purity in this wicked world. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Remember, we're going to go to these other questions, and we want you to get in on this. Send us an email or give us a phone call. What's your suggestion? We're kind of identifying the problem here, Jacob. What's your suggestion in dealing with these things? And then we also want to talk about how should we relate to the people who are not trying? They're going right along with the world. How, how, how should we relate to them? What should we do in regards to them? We want to talk about that as well. And if you've not answered yet, you've got plenty of time. And if you're sitting right there at your computer, why not send us an email, questions at collegeview.com. We need to go to our break, but before we do, let's remind our listeners we made an offer last week of some free Bible reading calendars. It is the first day of January. We can get those in the mail, and you can have them for beginning next week. You'll only be a couple days behind. Well, really, the reading schedule starts next Monday. Oh, it starts next Monday on the calendar. Okay. So you won't be much behind at all if you'll send us an email tonight. We can get them in the mail tomorrow. We, we've had several requests for those, and uh, we think it's a good Bible reading program, sort of a chronological reading program through the Bible. It, it, does, it doesn't just start at Genesis and read straight through to Revelation. It mixes it up so that you read the parts of the Bible that actually fit together chronologically, and uh, I think it's a good reading schedule. Uh, we were talking about this, and I believe this is the eighth year that we've had this Bible reading calendar available, and so... Uh, 
a lot of people have put it to good use. And, and they look different this year. A little different this They're year. We're sort of compact. Min- miniaturized. You can keep it in your Bible. Keep it tucked away right in your Bible and have it handy every day. So send us an email if you'd like to get one of those. And you may not choose to use this Bible reading calendar, but use some type of tool or make yourself uh, committed to studying the Bible every day throughout 2009. Uh, this is the first day of it, and so you still have time to make that your goal. And we would encourage you to be diligent in your study of God's Word. It is His message to you, His instruction book to you. He knows how you operate, and He knows what's best for you, and that's what He wants for you. He's revealed it in His Word, so we need to be studying it so we can know what He would have from us. We're going to take a break and get this week's bullet point, and we'll go on the other side. Uh, we do make your uh, request known. If you would like that calendar, send us an email, and we'll be glad to send it to you. Questions at collegeu.com or 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after the bullet point. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. In rebuking the scribes and Pharisees, Jesus said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. Ye blind guides, which strain at a gnat, and swallow a camel. Matthew 23, verses 23 and 24. Some have mistakenly taught that Jesus' problem with these religious hypocrites was their painstaking insistence upon keeping the minute aspects of their law. Jesus, it is claimed, was instructing them, and that for that matter us as well, not to worry about trying to keep the finer points of the law, but rather concentrate on the more substantial and meaningful matters of the heart. The problem, of course, with this interpretation is that it completely ignores what Jesus said. Should they have concerned themselves with something as simple as tithing their garden herbs? Yes. Jesus said, these ought ye to have done. But in doing this, he urged them not to neglect things that require even more effort to perfect. Things like judgment, mercy, and faith. The weightier matters of the law. We think there is a fitting application of the principle that Jesus here sets forth. Consider this. From time to time, we hear of a brother or sister who is quite upset about some issue. It is often one of those finer points of the law. For instance, the length of a woman's hair, or how many children an elder must have, or whether or not to offer the Lord's Supper on Sunday evening. They will gladly debate at length in favor of their particular understanding of the matter. We have no problem with this. All such things are important. But then this same person will neglect the assemblies fail to participate in the work of the church, exhibit moral impurity, etc. It seems that such folks need to attend to the weightier matters of the law. They should stop straining at a gnat while swallowing a camel. Do you see it? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hello, my name is Preston Jackson. I'm from Valdosta, Georgia, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday night. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. And welcome back to the virtual, the videoless virtual Bible study for the first edition of 2009. We'll work on that and uh, we'll make it our resolution. Something wrong with our video. So if yeah. you're watching, if you intended to be watching, you're just listening tonight. I think, so. I think the video could, couldn't take it any longer and it checked out on us. It's uh, tired of looking at us, but uh, we're glad that you're listening to us tonight. And we want to talk about now how we can maintain purity. We've looked at some of the threats. Now we want to take your suggestions for how we can maintain moral purity. And the first place we have to start at is we talked about uh, daily Bible study before the break. One of the ways that we, one of the places we have to start uh, as we think about maintaining purity is by looking to God's Word. Exactly right. I read earlier, Jacob, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Implied in that statement 
which actually tells us not to be conformed to the world, is that the the means that we accomplish that is through the renewing of our mind, which comes from being exposed to what God taught us in his word. So the very text, one of the very texts that tells us to keep ourselves pure is a text that tells us also the strength to accomplish that is through the word of God. That's exactly right. And it is reiterated for us in Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. In Paul's instruction to Timothy, he tells us the value of, his, of God's word in helping us to maintain this purity. Second Timothy 3, beginning of verse 16, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. By studying God's Word, we can get the tools and the direction on how we can live in such a way that be pleasing to God. Now, having said that, Jacob, we should emphasize that it's not enough to just know what the Word says. Then you have to put it into practice. Uh, James chapter 1, verse 22, be, be ye not doers, excuse me, be ye doers. Let me start that over, James 1, 22, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like to a man beholding his natural face in the glass, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. And so James says that there's a danger that you could know what you ought to do. I think a lot of people know what they're supposed to do. Well, we talked about the fact there are a lot of Christians who aren't living a pure life. They know, but yeah. they're not doing it. Yeah. So we got to, we get strength from the Word of God. One of the ways we can maintain moral purity is by certainly being exposed to the Word of God often, frequently, regularly, but just knowing what it says is not enough. We've got to put it into practice. Uh, James really paints an interesting picture there. We suggest somebody looking in a mirror. He sees some flaws in his appearance. Maybe his hair's not combed or he's got a smudge on his face. But he doesn't make the correction. He sees it. He sees what's wrong, but he doesn't make any correction. He just goes his way. That does, that does, that's senseless. That's not, that's, that would be crazy to do that. And James says that's the same way with someone who would look into the Word of God, see what's supposed to be done in his life, and not do it. You've got to be a doer of the Word. And we see some people who have. In First Peter chapter 1, verse 22, we read about some people who had done what you read about in, in James. They had heard and they had obeyed, and notice the result was their purity. First Peter chapter 1, verse 22, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently these people had obeyed the truth and as a result they had purified themselves in ephesians chapter 6 the apostle paul lists the uh armor of a christian we've been studying this recently here at college view and uh, he tells us taken to you ephesians chapter 6 verse 13 taken to you the whole armor of god that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So in this great moral struggle, this great spiritual battle that we're in, the Lord has provided us with armor, with that which would protect us. And as we were discussing this, and I won't go into great detail here, but as we were discussing this in in our adult Bible class here at College View last week, 
uh, we could see how that every one of the points listed here is in some way related to the truth of God's word, the truths found in God's word. There's there's a great resource there, and it's a protective thing that keeps us from the fiery darts of the wicked one. He's trying to get us. We've got to be we've got to be working to avoid the his. imagery. There is pretty vivid when you think about it. We a lot of people say, okay, I want to be pure. I want to live like God would have me to do live, and then they walk out on the battlefield and leave all of their armor and their weapons back in the camp. Uh, they they say, I want to live pure, and then they never go to God's word and find out how they should live pure. And uh, then they fall, and they wonder why. Well, it's because you haven't taken the tools that God is screaming to you. Here, take this, and this will help you. Exactly right. Um, another tool that we have at our disposal as Christians, it's, it's a tool that exclusively belongs to faithful Christians, and that is uh Prayer. We can use prayer, and I think prayer is a tool, Jacob, that would help us maintain purity. Now, that may not seem like uh, the two are connected when you first think about it on the surface, that prayer would help you maintain purity, but we see that Paul often prayed for others so that they could be pure. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, For this reason also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Paul was praying for his fellow Christians that they would be pleasing to God, they would live pure lives, and certainly we should be doing the same. So not only the prayers that I might make on my own behalf, as as this struggle goes on day by day. But I also should be praying for my fellow Christians that they would be strong in the face of these challenges. You know, a lot of times we see Christians who are slipping in those areas and allowing the world to influence them, and we wring our hands and we shake our head and uh, uh, cannot understand why they would do that and uh, or how they could do that. We ought to be bowing our hands, our heads and praying that they might uh, be stronger in their service to the lord notice second thessalonians 1 verse 11 therefore we also pray always for you that our god would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power so paul was constantly praying for these christians in these various churches where he had had a part in establishing those congregations it was very important to him how those christians did and he was praying for them so praying for ourselves for strength praying for our brethren is a great way that we can achieve the goal of maintaining purity in an impure world. And we should be praying for others, and we should also be asking others to pray for us. And James chapter 5, verse 16 says, Confess your trespasses one to another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And so we should be praying for others, and we should be asking the same favor in return. Notice what Paul said in Ephesians 6, verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel which for which I am an ambassador in bonds that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So Paul was urging them to pray for all the saints. He specifically said pray for me. If the, I'm going to tell you something. If the Apostle Paul felt a need for the prayers of his brethren, then certainly we need to pray for one another. Uh, if someone as strong as Paul knew that there was power in prayer and that he could be helped by the prayers of his brethren, then that's something that we certainly should be doing. And when we think about that and the wicked world that we live in and the fact that we should be praying for one another, 
and that others hopefully will be praying for us. We find it been very easily to follow the command of First Thessalonians 5, verse 17, where we read simply pray without ceasing. Exactly right. Um, one other thing that we need to do, uh, Jacob, we might look at uh, uh, the idea of maintaining purity by understanding the consequences of failure. Stop to think about what will happen if I if I don't make it. What what will happen if I am unsuccessful in this matter of moral purity? We already referenced Matthew five verse eight. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. If I'm not among them, I'm not going to see God. We need to spend some real time contemplating the outcome. If I am not successful. In doing this, what will happen to me? It's a life or death battle that we're in, a spiritual life or death battle to maintain purity. It's not just, well, that would be nice. That's not just some idealistic uh, concept. This is a life or death thing. We must maintain purity if we expect to be pleasing to God, if we expect to uh, be with him in heaven. We've got to maintain purity. Exactly right. Um, and, uh, you know, there that's a consequence. Certainly that is a great consequence. But if we fail to maintain purity, it has consequences far, much more farther reaching than just us. It affects, first of all, our family if we don't maintain purity. Look back in the life of the kings in uh, Judah and Israel. Look at uh, how there was a king who was not pure, who was not living as he should, and look at the legacy that he left in his children. And we see the string of, of, of offspring uh, throughout the generations there who were not living as they should because one man decides he's not going to live for the Lord. Well, our, our own personal experience bears that out. Children will go further than their parents do. If parents compromise on a point, the children will take that compromise further. And so if I don't keep myself pure, my kids will keep themselves typically. Now, there's exceptions, but typically my kids will be less diligent than I am. Their kids will be less diligent than they are. And from generation to generation, we find people farther and farther away from God. That We just can't allow that to happen. So we got to think of the consequences of failure. What happens if we fail? Think about the consequences in the church as well. And, Dad, we've been to churches where uh, they don't stand for anything, and that's because perhaps one family started to, to give, started to live an impure life, and their influence spread throughout that congregation. And uh, we can have that same negative influence if we're not, not faithful. And then think about the world. Finally, think about the world. And if we are not living a pure life, how will the world ever know how they should live? Exactly right. It, it we, just, we're, it, we're supposed to be the light, a light to the world, Matthew five sixteen. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. If we're not letting our light shine, they're not going to see it. And there's and we're just increasing the the likelihood that they'll be lost. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Our purpose is to be a light to the world. And if we're not living a pure life, we can't be the light that we should be. we still got time for you to get in on this subject. We, we have suggested at least three things that I think are, are important to remember in how to maintain moral purity in this wicked world. Exposure to the word of God and putting it into practice, certainly. Prayer and to consider the consequences of failure. Those three things will work. We've got some other suggestions in our emails. We're still waiting to hear from you. Send us an email on this question. 
What's your suggestion for maintaining purity in the world? Get, and it doesn't have to be a sort of a, a, a general idea. If you've got some specific thing that you're doing in your life or with your family to try and protect uh, yourself from these evil influences, we'd be glad to hear your specific What suggestion. are you doing? Yeah. All right. We'll take a break, and when we get back from the break, we'll continue the discussion, and we do need to get into the question, how do we react to those who are Christians who are not striving to live pure lives or maybe those who are in the world and uh, they just have no interest in maintaining purity what are your reaction how do you respond to that let us know your thoughts 877-381-4567 questions at collegeview.com don't go anywhere the virtual bible study will continue right after this break are you listening there's going to be a test on this stuff stay tuned the virtual bible study will be right back after this Hello. Hey, Matt. No, I don't have any plans for Friday night. What are you doing? Oh, I won't be able to go with you to watch that movie. Because, Matt, the movie is rated R. Hey, why don't you just come over and hang out at my house Friday night? Great. I'll see you there. Being pleasing to God means that you may have to be different than the crowd. But don't be afraid to stand up for what's right. It just might find it is easier than what you expect. A message brought to you by College of Church Christ. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile in South America. And I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program too. Gracias. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. And welcome back to the Virtual Bible Study. We do appreciate you being a part of the program. I want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College U Church of Christ. Find out more about the College U Church of Christ by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeview.com. And if you have any questions, please contact us at 877-381-4567 or send your emails anytime to questions at collegeview.com. We'd love to study with you further. We're getting some emails, Dad, from people who want clarification or want uh, further information about some of the things that they've heard, and we welcome those emails. We would love to hear from you if you have any questions of anything you've heard us uh, teach here on the Virtual Bible Study. Yeah, we we are to our uh, the point of our discussion wherein we are discussing means by which we can maintain moral purity. We've suggested some things. Jacob, let's go to some of these emails, uh, suggestions that others have, and I think they'll probably dovetail pretty closely with what we were saying. Uh, James says, first, we must have a pure mind. Second, we must flee anything that would lead us toward moral impurity. Got to have a pure mind. Passages like Philippians 4, verse 8, tell us to think on things which are pure. I think that's a really good point that James mentions. There's an old saying that is absolutely true. Thoughts precede actions. And so if you think on impure things, you will do impure things. But remember that the thoughts themselves are a sin. And so it's not that you can, as long as you just thought about it and never acted upon it, it'd be okay. No, even the thoughts themselves are sinful. You you allow yourself to think about sinful things. That's wrong. So uh, James says you've got to have a pure mind if you're going to be pure. Proverbs 23, verse 7, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. And that is a true statement, and uh, the principle is reiterated by Christ. Exactly right. And then James mentions that we need to flee uh, anything that would lead us toward immoral conduct. And uh, the Apostle Paul told Timothy that he should flee 
youthful lust. I'm trying to find that passage, Jacob. It's, yeah, it's in Second Timothy, and it is in I think Second Timothy two twenty two. Flee go. also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So is that some things you don't need to rationalize with, you don't need to fight, you just need to run away from run it? Run away. But the problem with a lot of Christians are that they're running toward it instead of running away from it. Or they think that there is some type of badge of honor or some uh, something they've got to prove by battling out these, these things where they just need to be running away from them, not, not messing, not flirting with them. Yeah. In other words, uh, here, here's an example. Well, what's wrong with just having one little drink? Well, you know. You think it'd be wrong if a Christian just had one, maybe just one glass of wine, you know? And so they 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 try to rationalize at that level. Man, don't even don't even go there. Don't even think about it. Flee from that. There's nothing good that's going to come of that. Get away from there. And that's the way we ought to react. And that's I think what Paul was telling Timothy to do. All right. So I think James has got a couple of really good suggestions there. Thank you, James. Uh, Jim says. Um, Never grow tired. Here's his suggestion for maintaining moral purity. Never grow tired of being reminded what God's word says. It's not a matter of the majority, the culture, or or what the denominations teach, but what does God's word teach? We must always keep his will in our mind to guide us as to how we are to live with our mind on things above, Colossians 3, 1 and 2. We must always remember God is watching all that we do. I actually think that that Jim's uh, comments there, uh, are very closely linked to what we were saying, and that is use God's words as strength. Remember what he says, his guide. It's not what the world says. It's not what the majority says. It's what God's word says. And when he says remember that he is watching all that we do, he he's suggesting that notion of consequences. God is aware of everything that we do, and if we if we're not morally pure, he knows it. If we allow evil thoughts in our hearts, if we do something that's impure, even if there's nobody around to watch us in the doing of it, no one sees us or observes us. God observes us, and we got to keep that in mind. I think that's a good point, Jim. Thank you. His uh, his uh, admonition there that God uh, is watching and God sees is similar to the admonition of, of Solomon in Ecclesiastes where he says, uh, for God will bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 14. So uh, we need to remember that. Hebrews 4:13. All things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Nothing's hidden from God. And then Don says uh, another important passage. Uh, he says uh, that we should be separate and touch not the unclean thing. He references 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 18. Yeah, uh, we won't take time to read that. But that's an important text, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. And that sort of leads us, Jacob, to the last part of this discussion that we want to get into before we run out of time. And that is, what should we do? How should we relate to people who are not trying to be pure in their lives? Now, you you suggested before the break, maybe sometimes that's Christians. Well, that's really a hurtful thing when we find our own brethren who are serving as a source of discouragement to us. They're not trying to be pure, uh, and that makes it harder for us to be pure. So, it could be Christians or certainly it's people of the world that we have to associate with. I mean, we've got neighbors, we've got uh, co-workers, we even sometimes got family members who are not Christians, and they're not even trying to live pure lives. How should we relate to them? And the idea of coming out from among them, this, this passage that Don suggested, Second Corinthians 6, verse 17, 
Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. So we have to maintain a separation uh, to a degree. Now, we, we can talk about that. It's a, it's a fine line, yeah. certainly, because 1 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verse 11, Paul, a familiar passage, says, for, for I have written to you not to keep company. Um, I'm sorry, uh, verse 9, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with fornicators of this world or with the covetous or extortioners with idolaters, for then you must needs go out of the world. And so we're going to have to have contact with the fornicators and the idolaters. It's just a matter. It's a fact of living in the world that we live in. We're going to have to have contact. But we've got to keep some also keep some separation, separation in, in the sense certainly. of who has the greatest influence over us. Let's go back to some more comments from these emails. James says, we should explain to them the consequences of their actions, and we should have no fellowship with them, whether by approval or participation. Jim says we should pray for them and live so that we can show them that one can live pure in an impure world. That's right. We'll never help, hope to encourage them to be what God would have them to be if we're not what we should be. Exactly right. That means so we we got to be an example. And you can't again, JP, you can't be an example if you if you are completely shut off from them. And so God wants us to be example. He wants us to be a light. In Matthew chapter five, verse fourteen. Jesus said, Ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So he does not want us to just go off in some commune, some place, some some secluded place, just get away from everyone and not have any contact with the world. He wants us to be a light in the world. But at the same time, we can't have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness and we can't we we can't by approval. I think who said this? Uh, James says by we can't uh, have fellowship them with them by approval or participation. Um, Don says if they are making no effort at all to be pure, then we should set the example and let our light shine. We can talk to them about righteousness as we have the opportunities, but we should still remain separate, not be unequally yoked together with them. And I think he's right on that. And so this is I think this is maybe a the, the most challenging of the things that we've discussed drawing that fine line to know what to do and how to to relate to these people so that we can be a positive influence to teach them and encourage them to live the way that God will want them to live but at the same time not approving their deeds or participating with them in their deeds I I know that Christians make the mistake sometimes of saying well I'm going to go along with these people because I got. I want to be an influence on them. You're not going to be an influence with them on them for good if you're going with them to places. And you're approving. You're showing your approval by your association. You know, maybe a, maybe the uh, an extreme example of it. You know, here's some people. They're going. They're going out to a bar, and I'm going to go with them. Now, I'm not going to drink because I don't think it's right to drink, but I want to be a good influence on them. So I'm going to go with them to the bar. And uh, I won't drink, but at least by associating with them, maybe I can be an influence on them for good. Well, that's not going to work, you know. That that the same excuse is made for the for the prom. The, we talked about that. We talked about last week. Talked about the prom, and and you ta- and you hear Christians making what I think is that flawed argument quite a bit. That I'm going to go, but I'm not going to participate, and and try to be an example to them. Well, you're participating if you're going to those evil places. 
then then you are associated with that evil. You make a better stand on that, for instance, on the prom or going to some place where people are drinking. You make a better uh, point by saying, no, I can't go and I won't go, and you shouldn't go either. The analogy would be if I thought it was sinful to play football and I wanted to be an influence on people and convince them that it was sinful to play football, I wouldn't do that by attending a football game with them. Now, I'm not care, playing football. Be careful. This is bold. I, I know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm not I'm not playing football, but I'm going to a place where that is the impression that I approve. Well, you know, if you went to the bar with people drinking and you sat there and drank a Coke, how would anybody in that bar know that you weren't drinking an alcoholic beverage? They would assume that you were. Your influence is damaged. And so we've got to be an influence. We've got to be an example. But we also have to keep a degree of separation. And I think in that regard that – we have to make some some really wise decisions about who will be our closest friends and who will we spend the majority of our time with. I'm going to be around sinful people in the world. It's unavoidable. Paul said that, as you said, in 1 Corinthians 5. But when I have a choice to make about who will be my friends, who will be the people that I spend the most of my time with, my uh, you know my my free time, my discretionary time, I need to choose good people who will help me live right. And there, we need to especially be on guard against the Christians who aren't living pure. And Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 11, to tell us about the warning for that. Be that I've written, I've written to you that you not keep company of any man that is called a brother, be a fornicator or covetous or idolater or a railer or a drunkard or with an extortioner, with such a one know not to eat. That we have to be especially on guard against those who are Christians who are not living as they should. Paul says you don't even want to eat with that person you don't want to have any company with that person exactly right um they're more dangerous they're more dangerous to us than those in the world that's right people that we we let our guard down we think that it's okay to be around them and to think and do the things that they do because they're christians and so a an unfaithful christian is a greater danger even than a person of the world Mm -hmm. uh paul said first corinthians 15 verse 33 evil Company corrupts good morals. It's always been so, and it's still so. We've got to make right choices about the people we're around. All right. Well, our time is up, and uh, certainly it's been an important discussion. Moral purity, we've got to have it. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Yeah, and I, again, we can't overemphasize the importance of that very statement. All right. Well, thank you for your time tonight, Dad. Thank you, Jacob. Enjoyed it. We and, look forward um, to another year of the Virgin Bible Study on Thursday nights. Certainly. We look forward to it, and we look forward to studying with you throughout 2009. Thank you for being here tonight. We look forward to being with you next week on another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.